Welcome, everybody, to the uh, All Personal Podcast Series, where we turn the good old saying, nothing personal, just business, upside down, and prove how, in fact, it's all personal and nothing is just business. All Personal features the stories of people like you and me, who discovered the unique set of skills that took them where they are now and will take them even further on in their journey. My first guest in this series is Divya Lewis. And what better way to celebrate this first episode than by discussing gratitude and the role it plays or could be playing in our lives. So before actually starting to talk to Divya, I need to tell you something about her. She told me that she made her website, choosegratitude.ca, quote-unquote, a bit more personal, which is just a phrase I needed to hear. And there, if you read the founder's story, you find out many things about her. I was happy to also find an answer to a question I had without even realizing I did. Where does her name come from? And there it was. Divya is derived from Dia, which is a lamp typically used in India and Nepal. They are lit during special occasions, such as the Hindu festival of light, Diwali, and the symbolic meaning encompasses being a light in the darkness or to illuminate. So, Divya, welcome, and please shed some light on who you are and where you come from. Thank you so much, and I also want to share my appreciation to you to um, feature me on your podcast. It's much appreciated. Yes, you're so welcome. So, Divya, who are you? <laughs> So, I mean, uh, I think, you know, we define ourselves in so many ways. I'm a woman, I'm a business owner, I'm a life enthusiast, I'm a traveler, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter, I'm so many things. Um, as you mentioned, I started uh, Choose Gratitude. So this is my my passion project, my baby, um, that... I built to try to bring gratitude to the forefront of our awareness, to remind everyone of the power of gratitude. Um, but I also am a counselor. I've been, I'm registering to be a psychotherapist, and I do workshops and presentations and lunch and learns um, in the topic of wellness. And I also um, run a nonprofit, Young Women in Business the Toronto chapter with a group of wonderful women. Um, so there's many, many hats, as <laughs> as you can see, that mm -hmm. I wear. Yeah, I happen to know that you are now the interim president of Young Women in Business, which you mentioned. So uh, what does that mean to you? And, you know, titles aside, um, it really means being a part of an organization that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's a place that we really provide 
support, connection, and um, foster a community of women in a big city where we sometimes uh, feel lonely and feel like we don't have that support. So providing professional women with like-minded individuals, connecting them to the topics that we want to uh, bring more awareness to, I I guess that's what it means more more than the title itself. Right. And it goes well with your Choose Gratitude project and all of the workshops that you do, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That aspect of connection and awareness is key in in Choose Gratitude as well. Yeah. Um, You know, when I found out what you were doing and about your Choose Gratitude project, because I have to say that we met as part of the of the uh, young women in business. But then I also found out about your your gratitude project. And um, it struck me that I never thought about uh, gratitude as being something that you can choose. <laughs> so I was really intrigued about your motto of choose gratitude. So how, how did you choose gratitude? Absolutely. Um, and I think, I think many times we, we forget that we have a choice in so many things. So even with a lot of work that I do in the wellness sphere. Um, it really comes down to our, our the power that we have and the power that lies within us. So my journey with Choose Gratitude, I think has been, gratitude has been a part of my life, um, my whole life. I, I have, I've come to Canada as an immigrant with my family. And when you come to a new country and don't have anything. And when you bring your life savings and that runs out in six months, Mm -hmm. you rely on the family and the friends around you to survive. And as I've grown up in a family where um, humility, gratitude, connection, uh, all of these become a core component that's been very... um, that's been a prominent theme, but I also, when you come from somewhere where you don't have a lot, when I started working and this is, you know, takes me back to my teenage years when I started working, I thought that I would find a lot more pleasure from the things that I would buy. I would always want to try it, spend my, my whole paycheck on these things and uh, would look to that for pleasure and happiness. And as I've grown up, um, lived in other parts of the world, but even come home and recognize that, you know, you can have so many things, but if you don't change the way that you see them, and if you don't choose to acknowledge all that you do have, there will never be enough. So gratitude for me is the switch that I I made and that I recognized as the key to living a more fulfilled life. And it's echoed through countless research studies, countless motivational speakers as a core component to to happiness. So when when you think of skills that you can learn and adopt, um, the choosing part, that's when you recognize this could be something that you can that you can learn and strengthen 
um, that can help your your own perspective in your life. Right. right. So, so would be defining gratitude as a skill. You know, I think I think um, there's different. Uh, gratitude can be something that people that people have and gravitate towards as a trait, but more so, I think it's a skill. I think it's something that it's a habit. It can be um, it can be a, a conscious decision that you make over and over and over until it becomes more of who you are. But it starts it starts as a skill and as something that you can learn and strengthen. Mm-hmm. You know what? That um, I always like to say that our skills are just like muscles. So we kind of need to train them and use them regularly. So that they show up and help us when we need them to. Mm-hmm. And so um, if we look at gratitude as a skill muscle, then yeah, it makes sense for, for me to become aware that I have this muscle and then choose to really work on it and use it in, in my favor in, in everything I do. So um, what would be, you mentioned definitely gratitude, what would be your skills muscles, your, those muscles that you discovered that you liked using and they were your strong skills muscles and they took you um, to all of the right places wherever you wanted to be and whoever you wanted to be? Mm, that's a good question. You know, um, when I think of, of skills that have brought me to where I am, um, I think of, of empathy and, and connecting to others. I think of curiosity and like really looking at things um, with, with a curious eye, with an open mind. Um, I think of, of persistence and perseverance which I don't I think I used to think of it as more of you either have it or you don't and I've learned Mm -hmm. over years that it's something that you develop and strengthen um I think of patience as something as well skills that have brought me brought me to where I am um and there's so many different skills I think you know based on which hat you might be wearing, which hat I'm wearing, you draw from different skills. But these are some of the top ones that I that come to mind that really have brought me to the the place that I am right now. Yeah. And do you remember what what made made you make that switch? Because you you mentioned that it, it was a switch you made mm. and that helped you recognize this. What what was it? Um, well, I mean, I used to, I used to work in a completely different industry. I worked in, in a research firm and I think what is interesting is, you know, you still employ those skills of curiosity, of, um, attention to detail. Uh, you still kind of use the skills that are within you. But what I noticed is there was a difference between the types of projects that I worked on. And I, it's something that I felt in my body. And it's something that you, um, you almost feel more, more energized, more alive, 
um, you lose track of time, you kind of are so immersed in what you're doing that you, you start, I recognize these patterns between different types of projects that I worked on. And the ones that really brought me um, into this space of um, joy were ones that were more aligned with with helping populations, helping vulnerable populations. Um, so an example is I, I used to do research for the TTC and they have this beautiful program um, in Toronto um, called Wheeltrans and it's really providing this basic, uh, you know, transportation to and from places for populations that um, are with some sort of a, a physical disability. And so getting on a crowded subway where you might not get a seat, going navigating a wheelchair in places, they it's not it's not something that they can do easily. So there's a service provided and looking and hearing their stories, meeting people, um, working on this project was kind of an integral point in my journey that really showed me um, that I I have these maybe dormant skills, as you might call them, with mm-hmm. um, with helping, giving back that I weren't that I wasn't tapping into, and so that was a shift for me, um, moving into more of the helping profession. And so I think experiences that we encounter, conversations, maybe people we meet, I think it activates something within us, and listening to that can um, can help you discover and maybe uncover skills that you you might not have um, have listened to in a while or, or you might not have used yeah. in a while yeah no you're right and I liked how you how you put it like, you know you, you discover that using these was something that brought you joy and it took you to actually, you know, I realized I wanted to help vulnerable people and that was bringing me joy. So that's really um, maybe the next step of awareness when you realize what skills you're using and how they make you feel. Because that's, uh, that's a crucial aspect of actually starting to use these skills more and more because they make us feel in a certain way. Absolutely. You go through life sometimes in a haze. And I think awareness and pausing and mindfulness and gratitude, all of these uh, require us to pause and to actually evaluate what what's happening, what's going on, and bring some of these to our, our awareness for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that you, you mentioned the dormant skills, muscles, which this is exactly how I like to call them because these are some of the skills, as you said, that we forgot existed. And in certain situations of our lives, we end up needing them and we discover them as if by chance, only that they've been there all along, actually. We just forgot they were there because we chose to somehow let them asleep. And it's, it's funny how um, we take them back and we rediscover them. And sometimes they can really make us feel good about using them. 
I mean, we kind of chose to ignore them because they were painful to use at some point in our life. But now that we're in a totally different context with a totally different experience, we might as well take that skill muscle and wake it up and use it and feel good about yes. it. So what were some of these skills that you kind of woke up all of a sudden or in a context? Well, how did yeah, that work for you? It's interesting you say that. Um, I, I'm kind of touched on, on this, but, you know, I thought perseverance a grit, as Angela Duckworth might call it, persistence, that, mm-hmm. that, um, that underlying grit. I thought that was, for a long time, that was something you either had or you didn't. And it was something that I've always struggled with. And I would call this a dormant skill muscle because I kind of saw this as a weakness. And then I think what I started to recognize when I started to choose things that brought me joy, when I started to choose and be more mindful of what decisions I was making, is that perseverance was easier, like it was it was strengthened and honed. So when I think back to the thing, the projects that I couldn't finish, or when I think back to times that I wanted to make switches in my career or in my personal life, I would see those as as failures. And now that I'm on a path that I um, that align with my values and the things that drive me, the, the like that motivation, um, I think perseverance has become easier and I've been able to awaken it using uh, kind of honing into the skills that I, that I love and that I, I want to use, but when it aligns with my values. So I, I now am noticing perseverance as less of it's, you either have it or you don't and less of a, Oh, I'm just not a perseverant person and recognizing it as, something that you can strengthen and that you can use um, use as a skill um, based on the things that you choose to do on a daily basis. I don't know if that's making sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's, it's um, I don't know, it's similar to how you chose gratitude and how you chose to use it as a skill. It's it's kind of the same thing. The, the the minute that you decide to make this choice and to um, turn it into a regular practice, it's, as you say, the more you practice it, the more comfortable you start to be with using it. I mean, you said that it was more difficult to use it, and you didn't see yourself as a perseverant person which is what we all say usually no I'm not good at that I'm not a I don't know I'm not a numbers person I'm not a perseverant I'm not no and then we kind of discover that oh actually hmm, I might be let's try this and let's use it a little bit and I think it's easy to be perseverant when when you're making decisions or doing something that does align with your values and so when I think um, when I think back on these past three years that I've started 
choose gratitude, um, that I've been finishing up my, my master's in counseling psychology and really the, the different aspects and also the challenges that I've encountered because that's where perseverance comes into play, right? When you, when you encounter challenges and still work past them and still persevere through them. When I think about these past three years, if, um, if I actually step back, I, I, you can see that I've been able to, um, to kind of be persistent and fall back on some of those, those coping, um, those coping statements that get me through, that get me through these tough times. So that's when I start recognizing the, the skill behind it and the how behind the perseverance as opposed to a, um, just a weakness, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so happy that you brought this up because this is what we usually do. Um, we kind of take our strong skills um, for granted, usually. We don't even think about them anymore because they're just there and we can use them anytime. And we know that we're naturally maybe good at that. And then even in times of challenges, we don't think about all of those skills that we have and that we're good at. We kind of tend to criticize ourselves and see, it's very easy to see the um, downside and the dark side when you're in a Mm -hmm. crisis, um, when things don't go as planned. And when you fall into, oh, what am I doing? This must be wrong. What have I done wrong? And I am wrong altogether. And that's when it's more difficult to, to be objective and kind of look at, but this is what I'm good at. And this is what I've started to use more regularly. And this is how I've improved along the process. And here I am today. And what do I do with me? From now yeah, on, for sure. I so, one of the yeah. one of the exercises that I do in all of my presentations and workshops is um, derived from the the field of positive psychology. Martin Seligman, who's the I guess the modern day founder of the the positive psychology movement, he did studies using this intervention, and it's what went well and why. And, you know, research shows we have a negativity bias. So just like you're saying, we only focus on the negative sometimes that choose gratitude kind of would remind us to also look at the good, to look at the positive. But the what I like about this exercise, what went well and why, the why component is, I think, game changing because sure, we can look at, uh, you know, I did really well on an assignment or I, I did well on a presentation, but why is that? And then you start to unpack, okay, it's because I prepared. It's because I, uh, you know, I implemented this skill and this technique and understanding what role you played in what went well, understanding what role others played and really honing into that gratitude and connection to others, and also understanding the the situational factors that come into play. 
that can start to, when we think of awareness, that can bring to our awareness what are the things we can then use to replicate for the next time. And that strengthens our skill of of recognizing that we do have the power within us to deal with the challenges that come up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, yeah, you realize, I liked how you, how you put it, replicate for next time, because that's what it's all about, actually, isn't it? I mean, you, you discover something that you've used, you're aware that you've used it, and it brought you benefits, and then you can choose to turn it into a regular practice, and this regular practice is, is the basis for you to cope with anything that may come from external yeah. sources, but you will be able to deal with that because internally you know what you're able to do or what you're sure. able to say. And I can share an example from when I, I worked at the research firm. You have to have amazing attention to detail when you're working with numbers and many numbers, many charts, many, you know, all of the analysis that you do. And that's something that is a skill, again, that you strengthen. And that attention to detail, you know, yes, we're all human. We're bound to make some mistakes. Um, I definitely made mistakes. Um, If I focused on each of the mistakes that I made, then that would be the only thing that I call to mind when I am then working on my next report. And if that, if I only focused on the mistakes that I possibly made, it would bring up a lot of fear within me to then take into my next report. When you're, when you come from a place of fear, it just changes your experience fully. And so that skill of attention to detail, it's almost as if you have to, you have to be in a proper mindset to even believe that you can get back to having attention to detail. So then you can pull from your skill of curiosity, which is what I tried to do, so that I was then focused on, let me be curious about this new topic that I'm looking at, this new client's um, research questions. And when you're genuinely curious, you're then looking at the data in a new way and you're less likely. um, What I found is I was less likely to worry about all of the mistakes I've made and I was able to bring and hone into that and strengthen, ultimately strengthen that skill of attention to detail by using a skill of curiosity and a strength in, a strength of mine, which is curiosity, um, ultimately, you know, resulting in a, a better and more thorough, thoroughly looked at research report. It's um, it's funny how these skills work together, isn't it? I mean, they can, they they support each other, and it's you said it so beautifully that your attention to detail skills were supported by your curiosity skill, and I loved it because this is what happens, isn't it? It's the the set of skills that we use and put together, they support each other and they take us in many different places and what they do is minimize minimize fear right because you mentioned fear and that's interesting I would want to talk about that a little bit more and how you how you 
deal with fear from a um, positive psychology point of view because fear isn't positive, is it? <laughs> and how, how do you deal with that? How do you turn it around so you can actually not only cope with it but deal with it and eventually turn it into something else, into an objective fulfilled? Oh, and let me tell you, fear, you know, okay, fear is evolutionary. There's a reason why we have fear and fear will come up and warn us of certain circumstances or, you know, but when it exceeds the point of being functional, which um, does happen to me before some of the presentations I give, it can absolutely be not, not a very positive thing. But I can share an example recently. So I, um, I think it's been about a month now, I was speaking um, for CIBC, uh, their legal team. So uh, picture little old me in front of a group of lawyers at a top financial organization. And needless to say, I mean, public speaking can be, you know, one of the things that elicits the most fear in people. And I have a love-hate relationship with it because I do enjoy sharing the message and the power of gratitude, but I also get so nervous before any presentation. Yeah. And I think there's two things that I think help um, help me when, and it's honing in on, on this skill of gratitude. Um, and it's also trying to reframe, reframe how I see fear or that feeling inside me. Um, the first thing I do is to acknowledge the feeling that I'm feeling and not just try to one, make myself feel guilty or shameful um, and tell myself those negative messages of like, you know, you can't handle it. Look at, you can't, you can't even get through a practice round without, you know, stumbling on your words, all of the shame. I try to alleviate that by just acknowledging that the fear is there it might mean that you care a lot about what you're doing, that you're invested in it. Fear, it can be helpful because it can help to motivate me. You know, this is really what's getting me to put in the amount of work and try to make it as good as a presentation. So that's the first part. The second part is falling back on gratitude and being grateful for the opportunity and really feeling that gratefulness for the opportunity um, and feeling grateful and almost using gratitude as, instead of seeing it as something personal, like this presentation is a, um, it will be indicative of my capabilities, of my prestige, of my, um, knowledgeability and instead of seeing it in that way really looking at myself as a vessel for the message of the power of gratitude to come out and be shared with this group of individuals I think falling back on gratitude has been the most powerful way that I've been able to get over and alleviate just like reduce it doesn't ever 
go, but to reduce the amount of fear, of pressure, of all of that. And that for me, especially with some of the big presentations, that for me has been quite a big shift. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense because it kind of, you, you just decomposed it, right? This is what you did. You just looked at it and said, so what do I fear? What am I afraid of? And what does that mean? And what, what can I do with it now? How does that help me? I guess from a positive psychological point of view, that's maybe one of the best questions that you or me or anyone else can ask. What, yes. what does that help me with right now? Because definitely it's there for a reason and I cannot ignore it. By the way, if you choose to ignore it, what, what does it do? <laughs> what happens then? And, you know, I think that many of us have different coping mechanisms and different ways that we deal with our problems. And this has been learned over years. And ignoring it is one of the top ways. And we ignore it through avoidance or through distractions. And that's okay. And we, we've done this because our bodies and our minds need to cope somehow, right? Mm -hmm. But what I see with my clients is there's only so much that you can ignore before it comes up in different ways. And sometimes it can manifest through your bodies. Sometimes it can manifest through your mind. Sometimes it manifests like you notice changes in your health. And so... Yes, you can ignore it and that can be a coping mechanism and that's what you needed to do in the moment. But it is important to, if you need to put things aside or ignore it, to come back to it and process it in some way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think, yeah, it, as you said, if you can only ignore it for as long as you can and then it just builds up and at some point it just explodes in one way or another um and i wanted to ask you because we're talking about fear now and fear in the context of skills that we fear using um what are some of the skills that you feared using or maybe even now you you still fear using and how do you deal with that mm -hmm. I think I think some skills that I I don't know if it's I fear using I think maybe the the present like the presentation um skills that we talk about mm -hmm. it, um the context around some of those things bring up fear. Um, I think maybe, I don't know if there's any skills per se that I fear using, but I think it might be more in relation to, um, in relation to situational, um, situational factors that bring about fear if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Um, I was thinking, like, for me, for instance, it's um, 
something like when I try to um, even make the most simple calculations or doing the, I don't know, budgeting for various purposes. It doesn't have to be a big budgeting thing. But for me, just thinking that I need to do that is the, the moment I think about it is the moment when I decide to procrastinate. <laughs> and then I keep it there uh, up until some point when I, I cannot postpone it anymore because it just needs to be done. And yeah. then with the pressure and maybe the adrenaline of the whole thing, I start doing it. But it's one of the things that make me, makes me say about me, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a good person for budgeting, for instance. Yeah, so I, I can relate to that as well because... Um, definitely the, the, the finance and the budgeting and accounting um, skills that, you know, the, 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 I don't even know, is it organizational or just the, the numbers aspect in that regard? I wonder if maybe after the research firm, I was like, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I relate to that because in my mind, um, I do avoid using those skills. And it seems like almost such a big task to learn and, and uh, I don't know, digest all of the information to be able to do this, that it's definitely something that I outsource. And so this is a skill that elicits that fear of like the enormity of the, the field that I have n no familiarity in. Mm -hmm. that it's definitely something that I choose to outsource. And maybe maybe this is something like when thinking about skills, um, how can we, how do we know? And it's something that I, I think we do a lot in, in young women in business when we have our entrepreneur events. Entrepreneurs have talked about and, and business women have talked about knowing what you're good at, knowing the skills that you're good at, and also knowing the skills that you, not only that you aren't good at, but that also bring you a lot of stress and choosing to reach out to um, experts in that area and outsourcing it. Mm -hmm. And that is a very good point because um, I think, you know, the minute that you are aware and start to look at the skills that you have, and that you're good at and you're more and more aware of what you can bring to the table and also um, aware of the skills that you might outsource, you also are capable of um, seeing them mm -hmm. and noticing them in other people, right? Because you have the practice of observing these skills and you can see them more easily. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I like how you how you said that. Okay, so there are skills that we may fear using because of the context. Some of them we just don't like to use because it doesn't bring us joy. Uh, and then I can uh, look at outsourcing them to those people who find joy in that skill set that I that doesn't bring me joy. For sure. I think if you're 
it, that's an important distinction, right? I think if you, if you are avoiding a skill because you, because it's easier to avoid it, it's easier to push it aside than to, than to work on it. Um, but it's important to you, or if you're avoiding it and with that importance, it brings up a lot of fear and pressure and stuff. That's different from a fear that is not serving you and that it might serve someone else. So Mm -hmm. with my presentations, um, it definitely brings up fear. It definitely brings up a lot of the inner critic and there's a lot of messages that come up, but it's something that I value enough to persevere through while my, some of my accounting and, and some of the, um, some of even the, like the back end website stuff, like some of those technical skills, they are not my forte, but not because I can't put my mind to it and learn it, but because I choose to, uh, and th- like that distinction between, um, mindfully choosing what you choose to invest your time and effort in. Um, I think that's the, that's an important distinction that you made there. Yeah, no, it's, and it's very, it's, it's very, it's a very clear distinction now because, you know, we, because we talked about it basically, and because we put some, some light on it, because the minute that you make it visible, then it starts to be, a little bit more clear um so it's yeah it's i i I like the the turnaround and how this one skill that you don't like using that doesn't bring you joy actually can end up serving others i i love the um the expression um can i ask you um staying on that um side of things um, what do you say to yourself to keep motivated? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think it, de- it depends on the situation. Um, sometimes, sometimes it's just, I think we fluctuate in terms of just how tired we are with the amount of stuff on our plate. And so then it's more just digesting some of those, um, motivational like perseverant you can do it keep going but what my inner critic says um and what sometimes those messages come up um are you aren't good enough and this has been researched a little bit um with uh what is it the um superwoman syndrome or uh Anyways, yeah, mm-hmm. I know that you know Brene Brown had some uh, uh, references to not being you are not good enough. Yeah, to the enough thing. Exactly, I think those the I am enough was powerful for me, and it's something that I it was an affirmation that I would I spend some time meditating on because that for me the messages that I you know, that I heard and had to work very hard to and still am working really hard to counter is the um, is that you're not enough. 
So to digest um, messaging and to remember and to meditate on or to have it, you know, uh, that is what kind of keeps me going, um, that you in and of yourself are enough and that no matter what you do, you know, when we get a lot of validation from external uh, circumstances, no matter what is outside, you are enough. And when I left my job, when I left my job and had, you know, when you go from having a good salary and a good um, title and a good, when you go from having all of these external checkboxes to a place where you're trying to find yourself, you strip away a lot of these external layers. And the I think the, the thing that came up the most is the aspect of who are you and are you good enough if you don't have this and that and that? So that for me keeps me going. Um, and it also takes some pressure off of whatever life, ha- you know, life will throw your way. It takes a little bit of pressure off when you, when you can strengthen, strengthen your own sense of self-worth. And I'm nowhere close to, actually having a strong sense of self-worth but that's something that does keep me motivated yeah and it's uh yeah it's a it's a skill that we can develop right looking at ourselves and you know constantly asking who am i who am i regardless of what's around me Mm -hmm. who am i um because we're close to the end of our conversation and because you, you mentioned how you keep yourself motivated, would you have one, I don't know how to call it, thought of wisdom, um, quote, your thoughts, a book, anything that you found that wowed you, basically, and that you would like to share with, with our audience today? Well, and so I think... And absolutely, um, I I might even share um, a, like a couple of resources with you, Roxana, so you can post it on the uh, on the description. But it's this underlying because there's so many different, there's so much amazing research now about our well being, and I think sometimes we might get inundated with how to be happy and what to do. And like, that's something that is constantly being thrown at everyone and myself included. And, you know, the, the thing that I found the most powerful was that the more research we're doing, and these are neuroscientists who are looking at our brains and who are, they mapped out the neural pathways in our brains that have been linked to our well-being when when you recognize that well-being is a skill that for me is that the mind-blowing wow factor that i would like to remind listeners of these skills um your your external circumstances your genetics all of these play a role in our well-being but to know that developing and choosing to develop the the strengthen your skills, but also adopt 
positive habits into your life can actually play a huge role in your well-being. Um, I think that hope that they can they can choose and they can, you know, try to try to have and they have that control over it can be a powerful thought. Yeah, definitely. This is because this is well, one of the things that um, I kind of find intriguing is that, you know, when people mention mindfulness and well-being, um, these terms are quite wide and people can define them in many, many different ways. But the, the way that you define them is so down to earth and it's it's the practice and it's the choice and how you make the choices and what you actually want to include in your life on a regular basis the habits the ideas the thinking the emotions everything without ignoring without um, disregarding them but truly looking at them and seeing what they do for Absolutely. you yeah I loved it how and where do we find you if we want to hear more from you? Absolutely. So um, on my website, there will be a little bit of information on some of my services, which ranges from counseling and coaching to presentations and workshops. Uh, but I try to post on Instagram and Facebook um, whenever I get a chance uh, just to share some thoughts, some uh, things that have inspired me, but also some of the learnings that I've gotten. Um, so follow me. Um, I can share the links with you at Choose Gratitude, um, but the O's are zeros <laughs> because it's very hard to find a unique <laughs> Instagram name. And um, also through Young Women in Business Toronto, it's at YWIBTO. And if you if you are in Toronto or even wherever um, and want to connect with like-minded women, myself and others, uh, there's the resources there as well. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. I will definitely include all of the links in the description of uh, our podcast today. So um, I want to thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and ideas and choices. And I think it was such a thoughtful and warm and illuminating conversation. And I thank you as well. Like I wish you all the best. I really love um, just the content around or the context around the um, the podcast that it is. It is all personal, right? Uh, just the way. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> thank you very much, and um, thank you our listeners uh, for being here with us today and I can only hope that we leave you with a few good thoughts, questions and maybe even choices. I know that as far as I'm concerned. The one question that comes to mind right now is if gratitude is a choice, who would I be once I've made it my choice? Until next time, Goodbye, and please do take it all personal.